Prepare to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Good evening and welcome back. We're so glad to have you back for another adventure in history. I'm Alana Quila with Providence Seaside Hospital. Here tonight with Mac Burns, Executive Director of the Clatsop County Historical Society. And tonight we have a guest that I'll say is a short timer. No. No. <laughs> no. Well, well, he does have retirement on his on mind. The Second mind. retirement, third. Third retirement. Third. So, yes. Okay. Maybe that's the wrong adjective. Short it's, timer times three. It's the chief. The chief. Yeah. Will you always go by chief, do you think? Will well, a lot people... of people call me that, but I've never required that, never asked it. And some people feel comfortable just calling me by Jeff. Some feel better just calling me chief. I answered either. <laughs> but but when you retire, do you think people still, because I, I will always think of you as chief. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there will be some people out there that will choose to do that, but I'm totally comfortable with Jeff. It will seem a little weird to not yeah. address you as Chief Spalding from the Astoria Police Department. We're glad you're here tonight. Yeah, Thank you. So I'm glad to be here. And, and we should have had you at the beginning of your tenure instead of at the end of your tenure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but, we're, but you're going to stick around. So. I am. Good. Um, so let's get, because there's going to be tons of stuff here. Anything to plug? I don't know. Besides go. just, we still have the 1922 fire exhibit up all year, yes. but other than that. Um, nothing really worth talking about because we got a great guest. So we do. Let's get right let's to the history highlights. These are things that happen tomorrow. So again, if you want to be smart in the break room at work, uh, or or you don't know how to chat with people when you're <laughs> at the store and you want to suddenly chat instead of just making your purchase. Right. These are things you could bring up. That are, <laughs> Since we're all learning how to have social skills again. That's right. Yeah. You know, it is kind of weird. Right, because you know, you didn't when you had a mask on. <laughs> You just just fly right by folks, right? Now, Good like, icebreakers. <laughs> yeah. Now, now you have to smile. Smile. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So these are things that happened uh, March 28th, 1794. The Louvre opens to the public. So, wow. I, I always want to say Louvre just for right. laughs. <laughs> but, you can. <laughs> but no, I won't. So ever been? I have never. Ever, ever been? Never been. To me neither. Okay, okay. moving on. Bucket list. There <laughs> we, we go. 1885. Although they, they say the lines are huge. And that you, they kind of move you along so you don't really have time to stop and appreciate oh. the art. Okay. Or at least at the Mona Lisa, I'm told that you get like I 10 bet. seconds sure. and move along. 10 seconds and move along. Uh, 1885, the U.S. Salvation Army officially is organized. I saw that one, yeah. I like Good that. for the Salvation Army. Yeah. All right, uh, 1969, President Eisenhower died. Yes. I like Ike. Yep. Who doesn't like Ike? Right. All right, but the, the uh, history highlight of the day, thing I think had the most impact, 1979. The nuclear disaster at Three Mile Island. At uh, 4 a.m. on March 28, 1979, the worst accident in the history of the U.S. nuclear power industry begins when a pressure valve in the Unit 2 reactor at Three Mile Island fails to close. Cooling water contaminated with radiation is drained from the open valve into the adjoining buildings, and the core began to dangerously overheat mm. into the uh, Susquehanna River. Scary. And, and my, my five degrees of separation... My college is, that I went to was Elizabethtown College. It is the only U.S. college that has been evacuated for a nuclear disaster. Oh, wow. I was not there, of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a little before your time. So three mile on. Then the wow. other thing, I've toured the, the site. Okay. It's pretty amazing. But uh, I worked when I was in college, I worked for a U.S. senator from Pennsylvania, John Hines. 
And one of the the duties that they gave me as intern boy, (laughs) there was a number of women who had been pregnant during this time period that were pestering the federal government because they swore their kids had issues. And part of the research that we discovered during this project was they really didn't have more issues than other kids at the same time, (laughs) but their parents took them to the doctor about eight times more often. Sure. Right. So it was all kind of in the head that they right. just were suspicious. More aware. Because the uh, the governor, Dick Thornburg, had actually told uh, pregnant women and children they should evacuate. Right. Oh. So it kind of set the stage. Right. Yeah. Hey. And, 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 you know, President Carter gets a lot of grief sometimes. Decent man. I hope nobody can argue with that. But he's a nuclear engineer, and he went. Oh. oh. Yeah. Within two weeks, he went and took a tour, and what are you doing? How are you fixing this? Right. So you got to respect that. Sure. Anyway, yeah. history highlighted the worst uh, nuclear thing we had. And I think it in made United people States. afraid yeah. in the United States for nuclear power. Yeah, even though it's clean energy. It is. Very clean. Uh, the other one, 1986, the U.S. Senate passes a $100 million aid package for the Nicaraguan Contras. Oh. So, led to another history highlight. Yes. But... Not quite yet. And then another interesting one was 1930, Jerome Isaac Friedman. He's an American physicist. He helped confirm the existence of quarks. So do either of you remember physics from his college? There's a reason I'm an historian. (laughs) And I was a writer, so I had to look it up. But a quark is a part of an elementary particle, and it's it's in every observable matter that you see, a quark. But most importantly, it's a component of the nuclear atom. To show what, to show what a moron <laughs> I am, all I could think about while you were saying that <laughs> was there was this really bad sci-fi TV show called Quark <laughs> about an uh, interstellar garbage man. Yes. So it was when, like four or five episodes. <laughs> when I looked it up, that was the first thing that came up. Not this. <laughs> so That's a sad commentary. You're not the only one. <laughs> well, that's a terrible segue. Yeah. <laughs> You think we I'm go- kind of quirky, huh? There we go. Quirky. <laughs> quirky. There we go. <laughs> so, so you came to town six years ago? Uh, it's actually been Seven. five years in August. Five. Okay. So in case people have not met you, which I'd be a little shocked at because you're kind of out there doing tons of things, what's your background? Where'd you come from and how'd you get into police work? Well, I was actually born and raised in Fullerton, California. And for those that aren't real familiar with Fullerton is, if you know where Disneyland is in Anaheim, we were one city just north of Anaheim, so five minutes from Disneyland. So I grew up uh, in Orange County in Fullerton with Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm, Universal Studios, and all those attractions that were great as a kid, access to all the beaches and thinking, doesn't everybody have this? (laughs) And again, that was my sheltered world. (laughs) <laughs> um, but you know, at some point, you know, through throughout high school, I'm not really sure when the bug hit me, but maybe it's just watching Adam 12, which was the show back then, and Dragnet, some of those shows. I just got the uh, interest to you know, go into law enforcement. Uh, actually, it was against my parents' better wishes. They really <laughs> didn't want me to go into law enforcement. I think it was more of just concerned about my safety. Um, but it was just something I wanted to do. I wanted to work outside. I didn't want a desk job, per se. And um, it just seemed uh, something that was very attractive to me at the time, and so I took police science classes at the junior college level, and, uh, was hired as a cadet in 1976, and the rest is history. There in wow. Fullerton. There in Fullerton. Okay. Now, what did your parents do that they were against you? 
going into this career? No, they they didn't. They didn't fight me. They just mm. you know clearly weren't necessarily overly supportive. They you know vo- vo- voiced their concerns, but didn't mm. do anything to try and prohibit me from doing that. I think eventually they they grew grew to the idea and uh, you know did support me. It's a little scary though. I mean, yeah. I, see, I would never as a yeah. parent. I would never be able to put yeah. that fear aside. Hey, I want you to be the first one at a tragic accident or crime scene. Yeah. yeah. No. So so you knew right away. That's wonderful though that you didn't go to college for something else and waste ten years doing right. the wrong career. You knew this was going to be your career. Right. Did you ever have? Any like ride-alongs as a kid before you got into the actual? I'm taking these classes. I did. I, I went on a couple. You know, okay. nothing, nothing elaborate, but just a couple times I, I did. And uh, you know, I grew up in that community, and that was the department I wanted to work for, and all the cards were in alignment. And uh, you know, it ended up getting a position there as a cadet. And a year later, I became a police officer, went to the academy, and uh, spent 31 years there in Fullerton in the Fullerton Police Department. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So did you come here right after Fullerton? No. So um, I retired from, we talked about, you asked me earlier, Max. So this is going to be my third retirement. So I did retire from the police department after 31 years in uh, December of 08. And uh, at that point, I, you know, I still felt I had the bug and I really felt I still had more to give back. And I set my sights out there for the possibility of a police chief position. I retired as a police captain, which was a number two in command there at Fullerton. It was a it was a big agency. We had 130 sworn police officers, a community of a little over 130,000. So a little little different than uh, being here in Astoria. <laughs> but uh, I actually tested in quite a few different agencies and going through some different processes and you know, realized that, you know, Oregon was a great place and heard a lot of good things from a lot of people. Uh, actually went through a process in Camas and came out number two there. And then ironically, and a lot of people don't know this, but I actually went through an Astoria police chief testing process in about 2008 and had gone through the process, uh, went through all the oral panels, what have you, and actually had not visited the community prior to that. So really what I knew from the community was what I saw in kindergarten cop and the goodies. So, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. So uh, came to the community and really uh, my wife and I fell in love with the community. Um, and actually the city manager at the time, Paul Benoit, uh, he basically offered me a position. Um, but we had done a little more homework, which I should have done more of beforehand. And our boys were just coming out of uh, high school, junior college at the time and realizing that, you know, we're two hours from a, a bigger, um, you know, four-year college. And it really just wasn't going to work for us. So mm-hmm. regrettably, I had to turn the position down at that time. And I really thought that I burnt my bridges and I'm not going to get a chief's job <laughs> anywhere else. And uh, um, so I was really, you know, really sorry to have to have that phone call with uh, Paul Benoit because uh, I, I think he would have been a good man to work with. And, um, you know, I thought I that was a missed opportunity, but it's funny how things come full circle. So then I uh, continued my search and went through a process in Gresham. And uh, then I heard there was an opening um, coming up in the Beaverton Police Department. So I put my name in the hat for that position, went through a uh, fairly long process there and was hired as the police chief in Beaverton in 2009. So family moved up to Beaverton, lived in Beaverton, uh, worked there as the police chief through uh, summer of 2016, I believe. And, um, so almost eight years there, retired from there a second time and, excuse me. So I was actually off a year. I actually had a year break and, uh, working on some of my uh, hobby cars and 
you know, kept really busy and it was probably one of the busiest years of my life, but um, actually got a call that uh, Astoria was looking for an interim chief. Uh, they had the previous chief that had left and they were, you know, hoping to have someone fill that position while they went through a hiring process. So I came up, my wife and I both felt, you know, we, we've always loved Astoria and let's check it out and let's, you know, see what this looks like and came and met with Brett Estes and, um, you know, with a uh, deputy chief, Eric Halverson and, um, we all felt that, you know, it looks like this could be a great match and I can come fill in for a few months and help the city out. So we uh, moved here, uh, initially moved into a condominium over off of Abbey. Um, mm-hmm. As we, you know, started getting you know, a little bit further down the road here in the police department after a few months, and, you know, I said, you know, this is kind of fun again. You know, we this is a great community. It's a great police department, and I enjoy the, the council and the people I work with. And uh, at some point, it just just started having conversations with the city manager about you know what this might look like if we make this a little bit more permanent. At the same time, my wife says, well, we got to get a house, so we're not going to rent a condo for, for very long. And uh, eventually we did find a house uh, here in the uh, town, and uh, the council and the city manager made my uh, position permanent. So my temporary gig of uh, several months is now going on over four and a half years. Oh, my Sweet. goodness. And I love, there, there's something about Astoria that, get second chances because I too turned this job down and went somewhere else. And then just a year and a half later, uh, that wasn't working out and their decision here wasn't working out and we both found each other again. So I love it. Uh, yeah, I kind of love that you turned it down once and then yeah, came the second time. Yeah. <laughs> so no, bur- no bridges burnt. That's good. No, no, it all worked out. No, the community I think is so welcoming that if it's the right fit, they, the town will accept you. Yeah. So. So what's next? More hobby cars? Are you going to yeah, stay here? Yeah. Um, our plan is to stay here. We do have a, a house still in Beaverton, so we do a lot of going back and forth. But if we can uh, swing keeping both of them, that, that is our plan. You know, We may even make this our permanent home. We're still going back and forth and looking at all our options. We just want to take a little time to see what you know makes sense for the family and what have you. But um, yeah, that is the plan to work on You know, some of my car projects. Um, I, my wife says I have nine of them. I say seven and a half because three of them are micro cars, <laughs> so they don't count as a full car. Oh um, so, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be tough, though, because it, you know, it was a tough decision. But at the same time, you know, I'm not getting any younger, and, and I do want to spend time with the family and do some more traveling and working on some of my hobbies. And, you know, I, I can't keep doing this forever. It's uh, mm-hmm. going on, you know, 44, 45 years, and I, I think I've, I've done my time, and it's time to turn it over to somebody else and hopefully take the department to the next level. So backing up a little bit to Fullerton, because I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by, I didn't realize it was that close to, to Disneyland and other places. What was that community like? Was it a, a tourist town? Was everybody there in the tourist industry for the places around them? Or what, describe that town a little bit. It's you know, I, town I, I, would, too, I would call it um, a college town. Okay. You know, there's uh, five colleges and universities, uh, including uh, Cal State Fullerton, where I went. There's Pacific Christian College, and there's mm-hmm. a, a law college and an optometry college and, and a junior college. And so big college community. And, and towards the latter years I was there, it really did become more of a happening place in terms of a lot of bar activity in a general downtown area. And for good or bad, it actually started getting you know, to a point where it was getting a little bit out of control with 30 some odd, you know, restaurants and bars serving alcohol. That became a pretty significant problem, but at the same time, it was a draw to the community. But overall, it was a, it was a good community, a conservative community, and, uh, you know, I had a lot of opportunities over the years there, worked a lot of different assignments and went through 
lot of different ranks through the department. Really, you know, cut my teeth there and got a lot of experience. Well, that's what I was going to ask: is what was the policing, I guess, focus, or what was what caused you the most trouble or the most time that you spent? And and then also, weren't you a motorcycle cop for a while? I was. I was a <laughs> motorcycle officer for four years, and probably one of the best jobs I had there, and especially yeah. in Southern California, where you don't get a ton of rain. And uh, it was a good job. And, you know, where else can you go get paid to ride a motorcycle for eight hours a day? So uh, that was a good job. And only crashed twice. So that was actually uh, pretty pretty low odds. So, uh, you know, that, that was actually a good thing. And uh, so, um, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a great job. Um, as far as challenges, I would say that, um, you know, in Orange County and Southern California, there is a fairly significant gang problem. And so, you know, we had our fair share of gangs, probably not quite to the level of what you might see on TV or hear, you know, that's going on in Los Angeles. You know, it wasn't like there was a shooting every day, but um, definitely had some gang issues and some territorial type things between Anaheim gangs and Fullerton gangs. So definitely dealt with that. And uh, but overall, it was a, you know, didn't have any real serious, uh, significant uh, crime in the community. So it was most part people were pretty well behaved. So a lot of typical alcohol type issues and those kinds of things. So pretty large communities, I mean, even Beaverton too, then to come here where you run into folks in the grocery store. What's that like? I mean, because I'm sure you're recognized by people that you have good interactions with and maybe not so positive interactions. How how do you address that when you recognize people or they recognize you? Are you talking in this community In this here? community. You know, I, it, it's funny because over the last two years, everywhere I've gone has been with a mask. You know, I, oh. I think people start to kind of forget what you look like, you know, and if you're pretty good at recognizing eyes, you know, it's typically it's I'm recognizing someone before they may even recognize me. Because mm. you know, over the last two years, I really haven't been out in the community as much because of COVID. And so um, it's really been more through Zoom meetings and, and things like that. So I will, of course, restaurants are closed. You don't get out as much. So the last two years have been interesting, but so probably more prior to that, you know, if I recognize somebody, it's always been positive contacts because, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily deal with the individuals on the street. So I don't have that kind of interaction where people are going to, you know, necessarily recognize me and say, hey, you're the guy that put me in jail, <laughs> you know, because I know most of the officers in the department that live in the community do deal with that on a fairly regular basis and they get pretty good, you know, at handling those types of situations. But I've always enjoyed that about this town is just having that small town, you know, where you're going out to, you know, you see people at different restaurants, you can say hi and, you know, have a quick conversation or whatever. So I've always been a people person. So that's always something I've appreciated. How fun. So what is first on um, your to-do list once you do retire again? Yeah. Well, um, uh, my wife has a couple trips planned for us and... Uh, going down to Southern California here in June and then a little cruise to Alaska in September. So we got a couple things on the radar there. And again, I've got some car projects that uh, I'm getting some pressure to get finished up (laughs) because uh, I seem to bounce around a lot, work on all of them, don't get anything done. Um, But it's good therapy. It's something I've always enjoyed doing. And, uh, you know, I've got a couple here in town where I keep them in storage and uh, so I can work on them here. If I'm, you know, if I have the occasion to be at the other home, I can work on them there. So, do you mind sharing what these cars are? Uh, sure. No, I've uh, got a 65 Mustang, uh, two 57 T-Birds, a 56 Corvette, a 52 Chevy truck, and I've got three BMW IZs. 
Oh my goodness. Most people aren't going to know what those As are. I said, I don't know that one. They're little micro cars. You've probably seen them. If you've seen the Family Matters, I think it was called with Urkel. <laughs> you know, he there, he had the famous episode where he was driving and I said I ran into the garage or something like that. But they're little, they're little small, very small cars, like two seater, and mm-hmm. uh, the front door opens from the front. Mm-hmm. And if I showed you a picture, you might recognize okay. what they are. But they're now become a classic and. So they're fun to work on because they're small. And when you're working on them, what's the condition when you get these? Are they are they operable or are they just like junkyard and you're totally bringing them back? Or is it just the mechanical? What, yeah. what do you what do you work on? Uh, th- pretty much, they they well, they've all been non non operating. So uh, I do completely take them apart and uh, take the body off the chassis and go through the running gear and get the body painted and put it all back together and make it like new. And then once it is like new, do you? Do you take them to car shows? Is that the we, goal, we do. or do you, you drive them? Yeah, do you... I, I don't know if it's a goal because uh, generally, you know, by the time I've finished them, I, it's taken too long, and I'm getting a little tired of them, and it's time <laughs> to sell them. So, um, but yes, we we over the years we've taken several of them to different car shows throughout the county. How fun! And I know it's probably like picking your favorite child or your your favorite uh, officer, but if you had only one car, what would it be? I'd probably stick with the '56 Corvette. Wow. Partly because it was the year I was born. Okay. But it also, it, it's just a cool-looking car, and it gets a lot of looks. It seems like it would be really small, because you're you're very tall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's it's not really comfortable to drive, and it's hard to get in and out of, and it's, you know, the old mechanics, so it's it's like driving a tractor, but um, at the same time, I appreciate the, the vintage, and you know, for those reasons. So going back to Fullerton again, um, when you were in high school, you, you said you, you were just starting to get the bug then um, for law enforcement. What were some of the classes that you were taking in high school? Did any of them have any relevance towards law enforcement that you would say now to maybe another young student pay attention in that class, even though it doesn't say police or criminal justice? Um, what are some of those classes that really helped you even just in high school there? Yeah, you know, um, honestly, I, I don't remember anything specific, uh, and I probably more towards my latter year, maybe even towards my senior year, that I really started thinking that this might be a career I would want to consider. And so, all my focus in high school, as you guys are well aware, is you know more on the basic education side of things. So it wasn't until probably the transition between high school and junior college, you know, the police science, where I took classes that are clearly very much focused on the police science and until I went to a, the, after the two-year college, I went to the four-year college, Cal State Fullerton, and got a degree there in criminal justice, and then eventually went to Cal State Long Beach and got a, you know, master's in emergency management. Wow. Good uh, good sports at Cal State Fullerton. Were you yes, a yes. big uh, baseball fan? Uh-huh. Or, Titans. Yeah. Okay. I went to University of Miami. We, we used to play, when I went to Miami, we'd play Cal State Fullerton almost the first game of the season every year. Okay. Um, because we were both very good um, at the time, so we won a lot and lost a lot. But they, but they were really good. I mean, they're and they still are. So, on your cruise to Alaska, you're going to take. Are you going to have one of the stops be Astoria? Is it <laughs> yeah, be one of the? That would be nice if they come drop us off here. But no, unfortunately, it ends in Vancouver. Okay. Uh, and, have, and have you done that cruise before? We have actually. Okay. Yeah, cool. we really enjoy that All right. one. All right. Excellent. Um, so, Astoria. Um, Police department, you've been in three different police departments now, various sizes, various size communities. From the beginning of your career to now, what are some major changes that you've seen in policing or the police departments that you've been in? Just Is there any changes that, that strike you? 
You know, I, I think if I look back over the 44 years, you know, there's a lot of, you go through cycles. And I remember at the time when you're probably very familiar with Rodney King and the Los Angeles riots. And at the time I was in Fullerton as a sergeant, had a field team. And we actually had to go out to Los Angeles to assist because they were, you know, looking for help from all agencies throughout the state. You know, uh, California Highway Patrol was there. And, you know, we went to the uh, bus barn where they had the staging point. And it was such a chaotic mess. It took us four hours to even get out there to be of any assistance just until we could get some equipment or what have you. But wow. it was such an unplanned event. But it's one of those things where you watch on TV and it, you know, it, it's actually pretty scary. And you go out there and you're actually in the thick of it. But, but, but that whole, that was a pivotal turning point for law enforcement, you know, in terms of how people viewed law enforcement in the actual Rodney King beating. And and, you know, I, I do think that on some level we did recover from that, you know, but it seems like every time there's a, an event like that that's really ugly, that it, it sets law enforcement back. And, of course, you know, blasting forward to the, the post-Floyd post era that we're policing in now, law enforcement clearly has changed in, in many ways for the good. But at the same time, you know, I, I think all of law enforcement getting painted with the same broad brush, and we even feel that in Astoria, even though we are a very well-supported um, police department by our community, which I really appreciate. Um, I think people look at what they see out there and they, they feel on some level, you know, is this happening in all law enforcement? Do we really trust them? And so we're, we're always, you know, on a little bit on the defensive in terms of trying to, you know, uh, help people understand, you know, how we police and the way we police ourselves and, and, and those kinds of issues. So that, that's been a challenge. And, and the, when I, when I started law enforcement, there was literally hundreds and hundreds of people for just a few jobs. Now you're seeing just a handful of people for a job, and it's really unfortunate. Mm -hmm. And I do hope that that tide changes. That, that's very sad to me because and I know that I'm very fortunate in my entire existence, and I'm very happy that I, I recognize that, that is, my life has been very good. But it's sad to me because police, I think 99% of them are good people. And that's sad that it might have become a career that not as many people want to pursue. Is, yeah. I don't know what we'd do without you. Well, we all hire from the same human race, and we're not perfect, and we make mistakes too. And unfortunately, they're highlighted much more. Well, we do appreciate your service, and we're so glad you were able to join us tonight. Thank you. Um, is, if, right. Do you have one extra thought do you want to say um, just about? Uh, What's your favorite thing about Astoria? There we go. Uh, I, I would say the small town atmosphere and um, just the partnerships that we have with the police department. You know, every, every agency that we work with has just been very, um, very good to work with. And, you know, we are uh, such a small community and a small police department, and we really rely on these partnerships, you know, not just with the other social service agencies, but also with our other law enforcement partners. We couldn't do it alone. And so that's that's been critical. So I really appreciated that fact. And just a community. It's just a great community. Well, you've been a very good fit, I think, um, from my on-the-sidelines perspective. I think you represent the police department well, the city of Astoria well. I think you've been uh, very calming, um, smart, very just level-headed presence. So I certainly appreciate that. And I was glad that you decided to stick around for another career. And, yes. And glad you're going to stay in the community. Yeah. Um, Thank so you. we're better off because you're here. Yeah, it's been a great ride. Thank you. Yeah. Now all you can right. enjoy the beach a little bit more, too. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but but make sure you obey all the traffic laws. I yes. Will. I will. <laughs> all right. Go, go make some history. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening.
Thank you for joining us for An Adventure in History. An Adventure in History is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN. March 10th, 1919. Drive away headache. Rub mustard oil on forehead and temples. A headache remedy without dangers of headache medicine. Relieves headache and that miserable feeling from colds or congestion. And it acts at once. Mustarol is a clean white ointment made with the oil of mustard. Better than a mustard plaster and does not blister. Used only externally, and in no way can it affect stomach and heart, as some internal medicines do. 30 cents in 60 cent jars. Hospital size for $2.50.